so basically I have to pick up my roommate or leave the house in like 20 minutes. But I couldn't help but think about some random stuff while I'm like studying. I have come way too close to death. Too many times for my liking. <laughs> like, it's been three times that I can count and remember where like, oh my god, I almost died. Like, this could have turned out really bad. Um, and I'm reminded of this because one of them was so recent. I was in my dining room, which I have like an open floor plan. So my dining room is right next to my living room. And I was getting ready to go on a bike ride. So I had my headphones in and I felt like I was looking cute. So I was like, let me film some TikToks. And I'm just chilling in my living room. All of a sudden I see my cat like run across the floor plan or whatever, like, you know, run across in front of my eyes. I'm like, why is she so scared? And, you know, obviously I heard, like, a pop. But I didn't think much of that. I was more concerned for her and, like, why she reacted the way she did. And then after, like, making sure she was okay, um, I looked around to see, like, what fell. You know, I had broken a vase earlier that day. So I was like, damn, like, what's next? Like, what else is breaking? And, you know, I look at the kitchen. There's nothing. I look around the living room. There's nothing. I look in the dining or the living room. And my ceiling fan literally fell from the sky, like fell from the ceiling straight down onto my carpet or my rug or whatever in my living room. And I was just, I couldn't believe it. Like I literally couldn't believe my eyes because I had just walked past that area maybe five minutes beforehand, which is nothing. And I've been walking around my house all day. Like that could have happened at any point. And I was sitting on my couch. Like if I had a coffee table in the middle of my rug, because that's where it fell, like it's it's it sat center to my rug in my living room so if I had a coffee table like you know anybody else in the middle of my rug it would have went right through it or broke it or been worse I don't even know like it could have been so bad and I was contemplating filming my TikTok in the dining room or the living room because I have like a really big window in my living room so I was like the lighting's good like I can stand right there if I would have stood there I would have been knocked <laughs> out. And I thought about it and I'm like, who would I have called? Also, like the way it fell and everything, like it has a glass um, piece that surrounds the light from the ceiling fan, like any other ceiling fan situation. Anyway, it's like a big glass bowl. It fell and shattered. Like pieces were everywhere. Pieces were all the way by my bedroom, which is on the other side of the, the apartment. So it would have like impaled me. I definitely could have died. I would have been knocked out for sure. You, I would have been knocked out cold. And I was alone. Like, my roommate wasn't home. It was nobody but my cats, like, honestly. And nobody was expecting me. Like, you know, nobody would have caught on to the fact that I was knocked out in my living room by my ceiling fan. Nobody would have realized for probably until I didn't show up for work the next day. And even then, they're probably like, oh, she slept in, you know? So, very scary. And... That reminded me about how, like, in one of the other podcast episodes, I was talking about how I'm the luckiest, unluckiest person, like the cricket from Mulan. That kind of stuff happens to me, where, like, it's just so crazy and freak accident, and how could this possibly happen to you? Like, it wouldn't happen to anybody, but it happens to me. But somehow, I come out, knock on wood, unscathed, like, I'm fine. So, like, I was unlucky for the situation to occur, but lucky because it didn't you know, the outcome wasn't as bad as it could have been. <laughs> so, 
And what was funny too is like a day or two prior, I was just telling somebody about some of my other near-death experiences. I was like, damn, like this stuff kind of happens to me, huh? And I guess, you know, it'll near-death experiences like shouldn't be that common. Like I feel like I live a pretty normal life. I shouldn't come that close to death. Like at such a young age so many times. But anyway, I digress. Uh, the first other time that I came close to death was when I was at the beach with my family. I'm from like a small town, beach vibes. So we would go all the time. And it was just a regular beach day, super beautiful outside. Everybody was there. And I guess the, it was a red flag, um, which means that the currents are really strong. So you got to be careful how far you go because it can really pull you out. And rip currents are really hard to swim against. So it's very scary. So they put a flag out there basically to warn you, like, don't go too far. Um, I'm colorblind and I don't see red flags. So even at the beautiful age of seven, year, seven years old, um, and my sister, I think, was nine, if I'm not mistaken, we were just having fun and we were swimming and my little sister was um, on the sand with my mom. She's probably like, I don't know, six or... Wait, if I said I was seven, she's probably like five at the time. So she's like building sandcastles with my parents. And my older sister and I, we were chilling in the water, swimming, pretending we're mermaids, you know, the whole nine. And all of a sudden, like we look at our parents and they're waving at us. And so like, or something like that. I think all of a sudden, like we realized how far we were. So we kind of locked eyes with our parents and we were waving like, hey, we're getting kind of far and it's difficult to swim. And my parents were waving like, come back to shore, come on, you know, get over here. And there was definitely a miscommunication because we were waving in panic and they were kind of waving in like, all right, let's go, time to come in. And we were like, no, like we are trying and it's not working. And, you know, imagine you're freaking seven years old, nine years old, like this is scary. Like um, we keep getting further and further away from our parents, further away from like the shore. All I can see is water at this point and my sister. And... That's extremely terrifying, extremely terrifying. Nothing is scarier to me, like, in terms of the grand scheme, than the sea. Because we don't even know what's in the ocean. We know more about space than we do about the ocean. Let's just say that. So, and I've seen way too many scary movies about sharks and stuff. Like, absolutely not. This is my biggest fear. This is one of my biggest fears. So I'm living in my nightmare and not only am I swimming farther away from my parents and into the deep ocean, I am drifting from my sister, which is when I lost it, like literally lost it. Mentally, I went blank. I was like, this is the end. This is actually where I die. Um, and that's it because I literally couldn't see anybody. And, you know, I just I was like seven, man. And maybe I'm exaggerating, exaggerating like a little bit, but. This was really traumatic, so, and it was really scary, and it is what it is. So anyway, I black out. I am floating at this point, and out of nowhere, all of a sudden, I'm in, like, some man's arms getting brought back to my parents, and, like, when I tell you I barely remember much from that, probably because I blocked it out, to be honest with you, like, we didn't talk about this situation for at least two years after the fact. And I didn't go to the beach for like two years. So this was extremely traumatic. So my brain did some sort of memory loss there. So all I remember was getting like carried by this man with like hair on his chest. Like, I don't know. It was like an, it was like an angel. And then I'm like, 
I can't even process the fact that I'm being saved because I'm like, where's my sister? And she's right next to me getting carried by a similar man. And I don't know. When I look back on the story, it was literally like one minute I'm drifting. Next minute I'm drifting away from my sister. And the next minute I'm in this man's arms. And the next minute like I'm with my family and the man is gone. Like my family went to like thank the guys that saved us. I know my dad, I think my dad like thanked them one time and all of a sudden they were gone. Like just gone. Like I didn't even get to thank him. I was like, when I was in his arms, I was basically kissing him. I'm like, thank you so much. Like, thank you so, so much. And then they were gone. That was it. What's crazier about that is like, dude, I remember get drifting farther away and like saying to my sister, like, I love you type stuff. And I saw my dad in the far distance trying to swim and he couldn't do it. He was like, I think he had to be in his like late 30s, but he is an athlete and he has had a lot of injuries and such. So for him to swim like that and to see him struggle and like to see him, oh my God, it can bring me to tears. Like I literally watched my dad try and fail, period. Like when it comes to the ocean, when it comes to mother nature, it's scary because that is one powerful, powerful opponent. And then I remember, well, I don't remember much, but my mom and um, my little sister were telling me after the fact that like they tried to get the lifeguards to come and rescue us, but they couldn't start their four-wheeler or their buggy or whatever, and they didn't get their stuff together fast enough. Like these two angels came out of nowhere, but like they literally tried and were begging the lifeguards to help us and they couldn't get the, the, the four-wheeler started. How crazy is that? Like, ditch the ride, man. Run. Like, what is this? Your job? I, there's kids drowning. I, I don't know. I don't know. But the fact that, like, all odds were against us and still somehow randomly we got saved. Crazy. All right. Mulan cricket vibes. Tell you. And to top it off, what's even crazier, like I mentioned, we we didn't speak about it for two years after that. Like, when I tell you, I didn't even want to think about the beach it would make me ill. It would literally make me ill to think about the beach. Ill. And then even after pushing that away for, it was like a household thing. We just did not talk about it. We didn't go to the beach. It was household thing. And then when I did start going to the beach again, because you got to eventually build a bridge and get over it. And I lived in a literal beach town where everybody went to the beach every single day. Um, when it got to that point, I didn't even want to go to the water. When I first started going to the beach again, I didn't want to go past like a certain point. Even to this day, I'm still traumatized. Like unless I'm with a expert swimmer, you will not catch me past a certain point in the ocean. Like even if I'm shallow, I get so scared about what's underneath. And it's like I have this really bad fear. Like I just have really bad fear when it comes to the ocean. And I feel like it's pretty rational because like, again, we do not know what's what in 90% of the ocean or something like that some crazy freaking statistics where we where we don't know like majority of what's in this ocean it's crazy so I don't even play like that oh oh I get so sidetracked it's so funny but anyway what was crazier about the situation is so we didn't talk about it for the longest and then when we finally did start going again and talking about the situation and like dealing with it as a family like some some internal therapy stuff um you know we could laugh about it after the fact kind of and then we brought it up to like some of our other family members and my aunt and uncle, when they heard the story, they were shook because I guess the same exact situation happened to them when they were like our age. So they were like seven and nine, same thing, like playing in the ocean. And then all of a sudden, like both parties were waving to come back, back and forth. And 
then they realized that they were drifting out into the sea and they got so far out. And then when they started drifting from each other, they were like lost all hope. And out of nowhere, two guys saved them and disappeared. How crazy is that? The same exact story. The same thing happened to them. Traumatized, everything. Two years, don't speak about it. Like, that's crazy. So that was like my first near-death experience at way such a young age and craziness. Can't believe I survived that. Um, That would have been just absolutely terrible. So second near-death experience was actually fairly recent. Not the ceiling fan situation, but um, I got my wisdom teeth removed and this was like I don't know what is it with me but the idea of going under anesthesia and having someone like change something about my body like I don't even have tattoos um I'm just like super I'm just untouched by like outside forces kind of situation and when it came to like getting my teeth removed I had this like weird commitment issue or like attachment issue I don't know. So it was hard for me to process the fact that I needed to get something removed from my body. When I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, this needs to happen so I can get it over with so that like things start, don't start hurting. Like I need to do this now. My dentist recommends it. Let me do it. I told my boss, I'm like, hey, I need to take this amount of days off. Like I already scheduled the surgery. This is what we're doing. The date rolls around. I'm getting a little more nervous this is actually happening. And I call the office. I'm like, guys, like we have to cancel. Um, something came up. I can't do it. I canceled last minute. I had waited like a month or two for this appointment. Whatever. I told my boss, I was like, they, you know, the appointment got canceled. <laughs> like I'll let you know when it gets rescheduled. Like keep you posted. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So two months later, they actually started to hurt a little bit. And I'm like, oh, okay. This is my reminder to get my wisdom teeth removed. Like, let me stop being a punk. Let me get this on the books. Let me get the schedule. Let's do it. So I call my dentist and I'm like, hey, I need to get my wisdom teeth removed. And they changed their prices. And like, it ended up being way more expensive than I thought. And I didn't have dental insurance at the time. So this was going to be completely out of pocket. And it was just like double a rent payment. Like your girl was shook. So I was like, okay, I'm going to need time to work to save for this now that you know things have changed um so let me get let me let me get to work in basically so I dealt with the pain a little bit I was doing regular regular cleanings I bought like numbing mouthwash like all this stuff like I was kind of delaying the problems till I had the means to get it done so then it started hurting even more and like two months had passed and at this point it, it's been six months since my dentist pretty much recommended it and since I canceled my first appointment and I'm like this has gone on for too long it's the summertime, like, I need to get this done. So I told my boss, I said, um, I have a new surgery date. These are the days I need to take off. Like, I promise I'm not going to back out this time. <laughs> this will be, like, the third time of me trying to get um, this appointment. So I was just so fed up with the pain and the situation and the procrastinating and, like, everything. It was just overly built up, and I was just done with it. Like, get these teeth out. I'm over it. So I called a new dentist who um, was more of like a franchise situation or what would it, like a chain or whatever. And they had multiple locations. So I called them. I was like, oh, they have multiple locations. I could trust them. They seem legit. Sure. Called them. They got me in for an appointment like that evening to get me, you know, quoted for my wisdom teeth removal. And then they got me on the books like a week later. So everything worked out. I had the days off. I was like, I'm doing it. There's no backing out. I 
you know, the day comes up where they're going to give me the pre-op information and they had messed up my appointment time. So I told him, I'm like, hey, listen, like, you know, you said my appointment time is at XYZ. Um, and now you're telling me it's at a different time. Like, I think you guys are confused. And they and they gave me such attitude about the situation that I was like, oh, I was like a little taken back. I was like, oh, like I wrote this time down and I could not possibly be wrong. Um, I even have like a picture of your confirmation. Like in my head, I'm thinking this. But you guys messed up my appointment time. And like I said, this is already a headache for me. I don't care anymore. You know, be rude all you want. Like, fine. I'll come in at the time you want me to. Even though I have to fast all day and you move my appointment back, I'll, I'll, I'll adjust. So um, that should have been like red flag number two. Red flag number one is how quick they could get me in. Okay. And then red flag number three is I go to the location, you know, my sister, my boyfriend at the time was like supporting me and we go check in. They had me wait an hour past the time they told me my appointment was, which was already a mistake. And I was like, whatever, I'm here. It's all I care about. Let me get mentally prepared for surgery. I'm about to go under anesthesia. Like I need good vibes. So I'm ignoring like all the red flags. They pull me into the room and it just kind of seems like, you know, doctor offices aren't fun. Dentist offices are even less fun. This situation felt like so makeshift. Like the surgeon came in with a suitcase running for my appointment, like running through the door. He passed me into the room. Like it just was so bad. But, you know, I ignored the signs because it's just my face, right? So they start doing the anesthesia. I, you know, I, I obviously, you know, I'm gone. I'm into the loopy state and they're doing their, their work. And then all I remember is getting wheeled back to my car, crying. They shoved me in the car. I'm dealing with my support system at the time. They're taking care of me. They're getting my meds. We go home and um, I'm doing good. I'm doing as expected. I pretty much sleep the whole time, do whatever, you know, um, post-op instructions they wanted me to do. I'm following everything to a T. I'm taking this super serious. Day two rolls around and I'm expecting to be a lot better because a lot of people say they recover really quick. I had a few friends, like I asked everybody in my circle what their experience was and all of them said that they um, like were fine the next day. So the next day I'm expecting to be fine, but I'm actually like in, you know, a lot of pain and, you know, whatever. So maybe my pain tolerance isn't that, you know, high or whatever. And maybe I'm just, this is how my body heals. So I texted the um, patient coordinator. I'm like, hey, you know, I just woke up. I'm in pain. I'm definitely swollen. Like just wanted to update you. And because I want to be really diligent on my P's and Q's. She's like, that's totally normal to be expected. I'm like, okay. The day progresses. Then I go to sleep. Then the sleep was a little rocky for me because I was in pain. So I woke up in the middle of the night. I took Tylenol, woke up in pain. And one side was visibly more swollen than the other. So I texted the patient coordinator. I sent her pictures. I circled things. I like marked on it. I was like, this is the left side. This is the right side. I sent her like two paragraphs. I'm like, hey, like woke up in a lot of pain. You know, it's day three. Uh, one side is more swollen than the other. Like I know that can be normal to a certain extent, but I'm just making sure because like I have a lot of friends that say they recovered pretty quick and it seems like I'm going down versus up. So just checking in. She's like totally normal. That's all to be expected. Don't worry about it. I'm like, okay. Um, day progresses. I'm in a lot of 
freaking pain. I'm taking medicine to pretend it doesn't exist and it helps. Um, but then throughout the night, I'm struggling. I'm waking up like basically sobbing, checking my wounds, like what is happening? I'm not okay. Um, it's a really rough night. And then I wake up and I text her. I'm like, I just had the most miserable experience of my life. Um, I definitely don't think I'm okay. Can you please get me an appointment? She's like, listen, it's day four. You're, the symptoms you're describing are super normal. I can contact the doctor, but again, totally normal. I was like, yeah, please contact the doctor. I would appreciate that. So she texts me um, the next or that evening or something. And she's like, okay, we got you an appointment for first thing tomorrow morning. Like, can you be there? I'm like, I will be there first thing in the morning. No, thank you for all your help. So I go first thing in the morning to this appointment and they had me waiting in the waiting room for almost like, I think an hour, a little over an hour or something. It was something outrageous like that for someone coming in with a chief complaint after just having surgery, not chief complaint, like a serious complaint after just having surgery. I shouldn't be waiting. Um, also I was like holding my cheek because it hurt so bad and it was like bulging out of my face, like my entire left side. I wish I could like insert pictures here because it was scary scary I looked like first of all a middle-aged man and it was just a lot going on so anyways they finally bring me in and it's it's such a weird vibe it just feels like there's kids everywhere and nobody knows what's going on nobody knows how to help me so like people keep walking past my open room and they're like not coming to me and I'm in excruciating pain and it's like 10 a.m at this point so I stop somebody. I'm like, hey, can someone please assist me? Like, I'm not doing well. Someone puts their gloves on, puts their hands in my mouth, pretty much does nothing, pretty much says nothing. And that's it. Like, goes and runs away. And then I grab somebody else. I'm like, hey, like, I've been here for a while. I'm in a lot of pain. Um, if you guys can't help me, like, I'll go to the hospital. I don't mind, please. And they were like, oh, you want to go to the hospital? I'm like, yeah, if nobody can help me, like, I will. I'm willing. They were like, okay, we'll write you a referral. I'm like, thank you so much. I'm like, where's the surgeon who did my surgery? Like, what's up? What is he saying? They're like, we can't contact him. He's a travel surgeon. He's two hours away right now. Like, you know, we're trying to get a hold of him. I'm like, oh, oh, oh this is a situation. Okay. I was like, yeah, please get me that referral because I'm dying. And when I say I'm in excruciating pain, like, y'all, like, okay, I've been, I've been waxed before. People laugh at me when I make this comparison. But like, if you ever had your hair waxed, okay, that is extremely painful. And in especially like sensitive areas it's it's cry scream worthy this was worse than that by 10 by yards by yards so I'm struggling so anyway they get me the referral for the hospital I'm on the run they stop me they're like hey can you wait in the waiting room for a few minutes like someone want the manager wants to speak with you or something so I'm like oh okay it's important they're gonna they, they contacted the surgeon like they're gonna give me some sort of news I kid you not I wait in that waiting room for 30 minutes 30 minutes 30 more minutes in pain and then I stopped somebody. I'm like, hey, they have me waiting here. I don't want to wait anymore. I'm about to leave. They were like, oh, you can come meet with her now. I was like, okay, sure. I meet with her. She sits me down. This woman says, we forgot to charge you $30. Um, can you pay it? It's a balance on your account. I'm like, okay, you just had me wait an extra half hour when I'm in excruciating pain to tell me that you forgot to charge me $30 and you want me to give you my card right now? Like now's the time? And she literally to my face said, yeah. I said, okay, bill me. And I left, went to the hospital, got admitted. I'm going to keep this so short and sweet for you because I still have to run to the airport to pick up my roommate. Like, I'm already behind. Um, basically, I was hospitalized for five days. I had to do a secondary procedure because I ended up having 20 cc's of pus in my 
um, cheek, left cheek or whatever, and it infected my jawbone, which is unheard of, unreal, crazy, life-threatening, like extremely life-threatening. Like, I don't even know how I survived that situation alone just through the whole hospital experience and that whole entire experience, like emotionally and mentally, let alone physically, for real. So that was my second near-death experience, and that was scary. And all these things are like super scary in the moment. Yeah, okay, traumatizing, sure. Mm -hmm. But then you look back on it and you're like, wow, that could have been bad. That could have been really bad. And that's almost more traumatizing when you have to like look back on it. It's crazy. And I'm still recovering from all those things mentally. So um, you never know what someone's dealing with. You never know what someone has dealt with. Be kind to people. Be gentle. Be patient. Be nice. Because like people have heavy stuff on them. And like that's heavy for me, but I don't even let it weigh me down. You know, I can't even imagine like so much other stuff people have gone through, what they're going through or whatever. Like for real, let this be your reminder to just be kind to everyone regardless. You know, hurt people, hurt people, take it for what it is, keep everything in perspective. And also, I mean, you got to live your life. You got to take risks. Sometimes you don't even take risks and risky stuff happens. All right. I was just chilling in my, my dining room. And if I were chilling in my living room, I wouldn't even be here today. If that angel man didn't save my sister and I from the rip currents in the ocean, wouldn't be here today. If... I didn't become my own advocate with this whole wisdom tooth situation and just let the infection manifest in my face. I mean, what? Um, I wouldn't be here today. So just be thankful, you know? That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Energy is up. Energy is up after this conversation and I'm thankful for life. So I'm about to go on this drive to this airport, blasting my favorite music, driving very safely. And being very thankful that obviously, you know, there's a plan for me out there and I'm meant to do so much more in this world. And I just have to remind myself that, you know, every day is a blessing. Waking up is a blessing. And yeah, we got to make the most of it. So thank you so much. I am now five minutes late and I will be running out the door. <laughs> Bye, everyone.